We'll be in Psalm 62 this morning. Psalm 62, and we'll start in verse number one in just a moment. Psalm 62, and we'll start in verse number one. Hey, we're excited about the week, and uh, always excited to be able to come to Spring Meadow, and I'm even excited to come even if Pastor is here, you know, so <laughs> we had a theory that it was all automated system every time he called me and things like that, but I'm glad that it worked out. 2020, what a crazy year. What a crazy year. And I've realized everybody's got a story about 2020 because it's affected everybody in a major way. And I'm thankful that God's still on the throne. God is in control of everything. And uh, it's even more so than ever, the importance to, of having revival meetings and uh, setting a time, more time with the Lord. And you'll know very quickly, I am nothing special, but setting a time for God's word is always special. And it will work in your life because we're gonna be visiting the word of God all throughout this week. So my hope and prayer is that you'll make a decision right now, this morning, I know this was probably not fair, um, but right now make a decision that I am going to come to every single service, okay? So it could be overwhelming for you to think about that right now, but um, why don't we just say, well, I'm gonna stay for the next service. Okay, so let's make that commitment. Brother Slusser, you'll be, <laughs> be able to. I've been hearing stories. I'm just, okay, so then, um, so then you come back tonight. That's three in a row. So you got Sunday school, you got Sunday morning, you have Sunday night. Now, if you put three in a row together, in sports, they call that a winning streak. Now, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I don't know what that is. Okay? But spiritually, that's a winning streak for you that you can go three in a row. And then just keep it going. And we'll be talking throughout the week um, the importance of coming every single night. Now, we're not going to waste your time uh, or any of those kinds of things, uh, but we're just going to be getting in the Word of God. And there's going to be weird things that's going to happen to you this week. And you could say, oh, yeah, 2020. Well, I guess, but you could say because it's revival meetings. I do know one thing. The devil hates revival meetings. So we as God's people, we should love it. So what the devil hates, we should love, and uh, there's going to be weird things. People are going to call you at random times this week. Right when it's time for you to go to church, you're going to get a phone call. And you're going to look at the phone, and it's going to be that emotional person. We all have those in our life. Don't point, but we all have those. Um, and right when you get it, you're like, oh, oh, bless her heart. She's got a problem. Uh, well, you can do one of two things. Did you know you don't have to answer? Okay, truthfully, you may not know that, but it's fine. You could, huh, and get in the car and go to church. You could say, hey, I'm running late. I'm heading to church. I'll meet you there. Something like that, you know. Um, you're going to have some long-lost relative show up at your doorstep. And cousin J. Fred, hey, I, I haven't seen you in years. And you're going to have the temptation to stay home from church. Bring cousin J. Fred with you. And uh, just have a mindset today that I'm going to be in church, I'm going to be there every night, I'm going to be on time, and uh, I want to hear from God. And uh, if there's ever a year to hear from God, 2020 is the year, okay? And uh, so I hope that you get to know me and my family even better. And, uh, you know, my, I believe my wife, April, and uh, Peyton had his first retreat being a cowboy this weekend at the Bill Rice Ranch, so 
He's walking a little funny this morning, but, uh, <laughs> but he didn't get thrown off the horse, and Mom was very grateful for that. And uh, Brady is our middle child. He, I, he's the cream filling of the Oreo, right? So um, he's the middle child. We don't want to forget the middle child. And uh, he is turning 13 a week from today, so I'm going to have two teenagers in my house. So if you're already bald when that happens, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I, I don't know if I'm not going to be able to walk anymore after I get out of the teenage years or because I hear you lose hair. Or, that's what Brother Umstead told me. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to me, but uh, I'm going to have a couple of teenagers. And Lily is 10, and she's going on 21. And so uh, we're, we're just thrilled to be able to be in revival work and uh, working out the ministries of the ranch. Now, you met Aaron. He was the guy doing this, okay, and his wife, Jacqueline, and they work at the ranch. Aaron works on program staff with me. And uh, what does program staff do at the ranch? Yeah, okay, so anything, we wake up and I come up with a new plan for Brother Aaron every morning. And so uh, he just graduated from Pensacola Christian College back in May. And Jacqueline, his wife, has been a teacher at Bill Rice Christian Academy for the past year, and they got married in May. And uh, so Brother Aaron believes God's called him to revival work. And so we asked him to come along for, to be with us this week, and we're thrilled that they're here too. So I hope that you get to know them. I'll talk later on about the book table and different books that can be a help to you throughout the week. Most importantly, I'm glad you're here, and uh, I hope that you'll make a commitment to come, and I hope that you'll make the commitment to be telling other peoples to come as well. And as you're telling other people to come, the deal is you still have to show up. Okay, so... Um, it doesn't do very good. Hey, you really need to hear this evangelist. It'll be great. It'll be good for you. Uh, you need to come on Tuesday night. I'm not going to be there. My favorite TV show's on, but you should be there. Um, normally, that doesn't go over very well. So make the commitment to come, and uh, we're going to have a great time this week. I have till quarter after. Quarter after. Then the trap door. Yes, it still works. Okay. All right, Psalm 62. Have you found it? Let's take a look at verse number one. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall you be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. We're going to hone in on that thought here this morning in Psalm 62, verse 5. I'm going to read it one more time. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. So the title of the lesson this morning is Great Expectations. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for this word, for your word. And Lord, I pray that we'll learn this week to get our expectation from you. And we thank you for this psalm and work in our hearts, I pray. Use me and we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name I ask these things, amen. Have you ever walked into a situation knowing that it's getting ready to happen and all of a sudden you had an expectation on what was going to happen, okay? Do you remember the very first day on the job somewhere? And you had an expectation about that. It was either a nervous, I'm sort of excited type deal, 
or it was like a drudgery. Have, do you remember your expectation on the first day of school? We could all probably remember that. I think you had school, right? Okay, all right, so um, when you're bringing the tablets and, and different things out and uh, you're getting ready to go, I love Brother Umstead. It's, it's just awesome. You sit right here. I really appreciate it. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll just stay right here. Anyway, um, so you're getting ready, and you, you just have this nervousness about you. You're, you're, dealing with, you're dealing with expectations. Well, I remember when I was getting ready to come to the ranch for the very first time, and I was dealing with a little bit of anxiety because I didn't really know what to expect. I am not a person that if, if I have to plan so many things in my life, so if I don't have to plan it, I really enjoy that, okay? And so if it just comes with me, I don't worry about it. You know, how do you pack? Well, I grab all my clothes and I, I put it in the suitcase, I push it down and I throw it in the truck and I go. That's how it's always been. And I, I can't change that about me, I guess, because I'm glad April packs it for everybody else. But um, for me, that's just that's how I work. And I was remembering pa- packing up my truck, going to the ranch, and I started thinking to myself, I wonder what I'm going to do. Huh. And I started getting a little nervous. So I was driving there, and I got get to Murfreesboro, and uh, I get out there, and I get my assignment, what cabin I'm supposed to be in, and I start thinking all of a sudden, I wonder if they're going to make me a cowboy. Surely not. They won't make me a cowboy. No, they can't do that. I mean, they can't just transform people into cowboys, right? Um, and I walk into the cabin, and there was leather everywhere. There's all these funny-looking hats and there's all these spurs and cowboy boots and belts and all these things. And uh, I was like, whoa, what are, there's, I called them chaps or leather coolants. They don't like that. Uh, different things that are out and about in the cabin. And I'm with all those guys. And they come in, all the cowboys, they still, they still try to do it, you know. They, walking in. <laughs> And uh, they're all sweaty and everything. And I'm like, uh, did you guys know you're going to be a cowboy before you come? Or did they just tell you today that you're going to be a cowboy? And uh, they said, oh, no, we knew, we knew. And I said, is there any way that they're going to make me a cowboy? And they looked at me and said, no, you don't need to worry about that. They're not going to make you a cowboy. And and uh, so I was a little relieved about that. So we go to this spot where it's camp preparation time. So we meet Trails in the little camp office. We're meeting outside, and we're getting all these different assignments and things. And all of a sudden, the cowboy truck shows up out of nowhere. And it shows up, slams on the brake. All the cowboys are in the back, you know. And uh, the cowboy said, hey, I need two more guys. And then the guy looked over and said, Downs. Get in the truck. <laughs> and then they said, Kwame, get in the truck. Well, uh, me and Kwame were a lot alike. I'm a five foot seven Indiana Hoosier. He's a six foot two Bahamian. <laughs> and so we get into the truck and um, they said, We're going to be putting up hay. We're like, Oh boy, I've never.
really done this before. And so my expectation changed. It was being concerned. It was being a little worried. Now it's about survival. Have you ever had that expectation before? I wanted to survive the day. And so we get out into the pasture, and uh, this one of the cowboys gets to drive the tractor. I asked why I couldn't drive the tractor. They said, do you know how? I said, no, uh, but they, that's why you're not driving the tractor. That made sense to me. And so we looked over, and Kwame was going to be on one side of the trailer. I was going to be on the other side of the trailer. Well, I noticed on one side of the trailer was in the shade. And I thought, somehow, some way, I need to get on that side of the trailer because it was about 100 degrees that day with 99% humidity. How that is not rain, I do not know. So I said, okay, I'll take over this side. Kwame, why don't you take over the other side? Oh, okay, Matt. So we started walking, and I start picking up these square bales of hay. I've done that before. My dad grew up on a farm and things like that, so that was not a big deal to me. But I noticed something about these hay bales. They were a little wet. So I was picking them up, and I was like, mm, man. And I saw my shirt get wet, and I thought, this is not good. What is going on? And you have to keep pace with the little trailer, you know. So I go over and just, and it was just everything that you had. And for me, when you're giving everything you had, your weird noises are coming out, right? So you're, you know, that kind of thing. And I look over in the sun, and there's Kwame. He's, and I know he's, you know, about an inch or two taller than me, but um, he was just picking them up and throwing them in and not worried about anything. Man, what is the deal? And then all of a sudden, the light bulb came on. These hay bales have not been dried out yet. And somehow, some way, I need to get on the other side if I'm going to survive this day. So I said, hey, Kwame. Yeah, Matt. said, you're looking hot over there. Oh, Matt, I am burning up. I said, Kwame, why don't you come over here to the shade and we can switch spots? He said, Matt, you're such a good friend. And I said, I know. And I switched sides. Well, I remember picking up that hay bale that was dried out. And I almost threw it over the trailer because it was that much lighter. It was just, oh, yeah. And then uh, I was just, you know, working away, having the time of my life. And then I hear something from the other side of the trailer. Matt. Matt. I said, yeah, Kwame. I hate you. <laughs> And uh, we deal with these kinds of expectations all the time. I remember getting my job working on the roof. And I didn't know a thing about roofing. And it sort of looked cool, you know. But then I was the grunt work guy. So everything that they dropped, I had to pick up. Every nail had to be picked up. And if we got a flat tire, I paid for it. It's my fault, is what I was told. And um, my expectation was just scared to death dealing with those kinds of things. All I could think is, don't mess this up. If I get paid everything for the week, I still won't be able to afford the tire that will go flat. And uh, we deal with these expectations in our life all the time. But here in Psalm 62, we find that we can get our expectation from God. From God every single day. My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. So how do we get our expectation from God? Number one, trust in Him. Trust in Him. 
Are you trusting in God? Boy, there's one way to trust in God that we know how to say it. I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him with 2020. I'm trusting him with my job. I'm trusting him with my anxiety. But lose the conjunction, friend, and just trust in God. Look at uh, verse number six. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Think about it. Are you trusting in him at all times? It says here in that verse, in that verse number eight, it says, pouring out your heart. The Bible gives us examples of pouring out our heart to God. One way we can pour out our heart to God is in confession to him. Turn your Bible over to 1 Samuel chapter seven, would you? We'll look at a couple of verses there. 1 Samuel chapter number seven, And take a look at verse number three. Chapter seven and verse number three. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together at the Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, and he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. The Lord helped them because they realized they were far from God. And they offered a sacrifice where they filled up a cylinder and they poured it with water and they poured it out. And they said, as we are pouring out this water to the Lord, we are pouring out our heart of confession to you, God. Let me ask you, when was the last time you got along with God and you poured out your heart of confession to him? When was the last time? Revival is falling in love with Jesus all over again, Vance Havner says. You know how you can fall in love with Jesus all over again? And if you're not in love with him now, 
it's probably because we haven't had a time where we got alone with him and said, God, God, show me. Show me the sins that are in my life. Years ago, I was just a high schooler. I heard an evangelist preach at the ranch. He talked about when he was a pastor. And he was getting ready to have revival meetings, and he said, I I wanted to make sure that the revival wasn't hindered because of my sin. So the pastor said, he got along with God, and he got a piece of paper and a pen, and he said, God, I want you to show me the sins that are in my life. It was on a Saturday night, so the Lord showed him some sins in his life. Wrote it down on the piece of paper. He said, God, is there any more? Wrote down another one, a piece of paper. Wrote down another. He said he was there most of the night to the early morning, and it was filled front and back of sins that he realized was unconfessed to God. Well, I was sort of a smart aleck teenager. I know that's probably hard for anybody to believe, but I thought to myself as I was hearing this guy, I thought, good grief, what kind of sin was this guy in? That must have been pretty rough. I know one thing, I don't have as many sins as that guy. And so I got along with God, and I said, God, I know I don't have as many sins as that preacher did, but show me the one or two that I have. Did you know I had more than one and two? I had a whole lot more uh, because I needed to get along with God, and I needed to confess sin to him. When was the last time you got along with God and you said, God, show me? as we would take a bottle of water and just pour it out, we are pouring out our our heart of confession to God. The second way that we can pour out to God is not only in confession, but also in thankfulness. Turn your Bible to 2 Samuel now. 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter number 23. 2 Samuel chapter number 23. And take a look at verse number 14. 2 Samuel 23, verse 14 says, And David was then in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it. And he brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. Now, at first glance with this story, is pretty incredible to me. And David was surrounded by the Philistines in a hold, and he was taking a look at this certain well. And I don't know what was great about this well. Maybe it had the best-tasting water he could find. Maybe it was the coldest water that he could find. But he was just thinking about that certain well from that hometown, and man, he was just really wishing he could just take a drink. You know, there's something about people's hometown. Oftentimes, as we go and we travel to different places, uh, people will make fun of their town a good bit, but then they'll say, but I'll tell you one thing, Brother Matt, 
there's one thing our town does better than anybody else, and you need to go see it. And uh, they'll talk to me about going to some, you know, museum or, or park or, you know, this one statue, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but they're proud of it. This is the one thing our town does really well. Well, I grew up in a small town in Montezuma, Indiana. And uh, we're, we're getting pretty big. We do have a Dollar General now. And uh, so that's a pretty big deal. And our stoplight works. So I don't like to brag, but it's getting pretty big. It's going to catch up with Murfreesboro here pretty quick. And uh, it's a pretty small place. Well, once a year, they have a covered bridge festival. And it has all these little towns in that surrounding area. And they celebrate covered bridges. And I think there are actually people that come to look at the covered bridges. But everybody else that's there, they come there to eat and buy expensive crafts, okay? And so that was the thing that we always did. It was always around my birthday, and Dad would ask me what I want for breakfast for my birthday, and there was a certain donut shack that was on a trailer, and they make homemade donuts, and they named them Crewlers. So I truly believe it is the best donut you could ever put in your mouth. I love them. The last time I was there, they, I was even in town, and they canceled it for COVID. Take me home, Lord Jesus. Okay. Um, but um, what you would do is you could even ask for half the sugar, which, you know what, if you're going to go, go happy. Okay. So, you know, it's, do you want 1,000 calories or 1,100 calories? It's not, you know, it's okay either way after you get to that point. So there's some older people that are in there. I think they're the same people as there when I was six or seven or eight. I believe the grease has preserved them. <laughs> and you get up there and you order your cruller and they fry that bread and then they roll it in the sugar and they put it in a brown paper sack. The last time I had it, I went about 50 yards back into my car. I looked at the sack. They put napkins on the bottom, okay? And the grease had soaked through. This is a very healthy, good for you. I'm sure it's fried in peanut oil donut, okay? <laughs> so um, I love those things. And let's say you knew that I was coming and you were excited and he's like, Brother Matt's coming. I want to make sure I get his favorite donut. And let's say it's in October and you went and you got it and you showed up here and you're waiting for me right before Sunday school. And I could tell by the little layers of the grease in the brown paper sack. By the way, they're not as good the next day. But anyway, uh, you made sure it was all good and ready to go. And there you are with that brown paper sack. I've got something for you. Crewers. And I said, did you get it from the shack that's on a trailer in Montezuma, Indiana? And you said, and you open it up and the angels sing. <laughs> right? And I grab that crewler and I throw it on the ground. How would that make you feel? You'd say, Brother Matt, you're eating that donut. If I got to force you on the pavement, you know, <laughs> I mean, you would be pretty upset with me. So at first glance, when you read this story, you're like, whoa, that's pretty incredible. Here's David. Boy, I really like a drink of water that well from Bethlehem, which is, you know, the one by the gate. Oh, that would just be great. And he had these mighty men 
That'd be like if our leader wants some water by the well that's by the gate, he's going to get the water that he wants, you know. So they go behind enemy lines. They grab the water. Uh, knowing my luck, I would get all the way there and get the water and trip over a root. You know, you think about, I think about these things. I got something oh, for you. And they get the water. They make it all the way back. And they said, hey, David, got a drink of water. Oh, that's right. I'm not thirsty. Oh, it's from the well that's by the gate. He was overwhelmed by what his men had sacrificed for something that he wanted. He said, I don't deserve that kind of sacrifice. And I'm going to offer this water, not for me to drink, but I'm offering it up to God. And he poured it out on the ground. When was the last time you had a Thanksgiving fit? Instead of talking about everything that's going wrong, when did you start thanking God for all the things he's done for you that's so right? That he gave you a home in heaven and you said thank you for that. That you said thank you for your spouse and for your children. That you just see that you've got a house that the air conditioning turns on and at night the heat turns on, right? You could start your own tornado because how the weather changes so much. You started saying thank you. Thank you, God, for all that you've given me. Thank you for a church. Thank you for a pastor that loves me. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you I can have a jacket to put on. Lord, thank you. And when you start pouring your heart out to God of confession and thanksgiving, you can start trusting him at all times. That's how we get our expectation from him. Number one, by trusting in God and quickly. Number two, by don't misplacing your trust. Look at verses nine and 10 in Psalm 62. Surely men of low degree are vanity. Men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. So, what God is reminding us here is don't be trusting one in your talents. When it's saying here low degree and high degree, that doesn't mean other people are better than others. It simply means how they work. Some people work with their hands, some more with office jobs, or it's more on thinking with their brains and with their personality. Some people are talkers. Everybody has different types of talents. Everybody has different types of abilities. Don't trust in your talents. Trust in the one that gave you the ability because your talents could always be taken away. Trust in God. Don't misplace your trust. And number three, trusting God brings peace in our life. Look at verse 11. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. That's just a fancy way of saying is, I've heard it over and over and over again. The power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy. For thou renderest to every man according to his work. Trusting God does bring peace. One we find because God is powerful. Power belongeth unto God. We have a powerful God. 
So this year, I don't even, I don't want to admit it, but I'm admitting, I'm admitting it to you all for a point. You know, I'm over the hill. I, I turned 40. And some of you are saying you're a child. I remember. <laughs> I got an amen out of Brother Umstead. This is incredible. Okay. Um, and I can say, wow, it's interesting being 40. You know, you can hurt yourself while you're sleeping. Whoever would have thought that? You like you wake up, you're like, what happened? Why am I walking this way? And then you start thinking, oh, yeah, uh, a few days ago I did this. I guess the sign of youth is you do something and you're sore then. Um, as you get older, you can do something and you're sore later. And then as you get older, you're sore then and later. I guess that's sort of <laughs> how it goes. And you could say, oh, yeah, you think it's bad now that you're 40. Wait till the 50s, brother. And you could say, I was in the prime of my life in my 50s. Uh, just wait till the 60s or 70s or hundreds, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm thankful that our God doesn't get tired. Our God doesn't get broken down. And the older I get, the realize, I realize I get more broken down, but my God does not. So trust in him. Also, our God is powerful and our God is also merciful. I'm thankful for that, that we serve a merciful, loving God, and we serve a God that keeps his promises. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not in thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. What will happen? He shall direct thy path. You see, we can wake up every day we can get our expectations from God. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word.